foes, they're in business together. Danny Bush knows the Carlisle Group since years before, been raking in billions and itching for more. It's blood for oil, we know there's a link. They say code war, we say code pink. It's blood for oil, we know there's a link. They say code war, we say code pink. Go pink for freedom, go pink for peace. That was Code Pink by Emma's Revolution. I'm Shay of Code Pink, and welcome to our Code Pink radio show presented by WBAI 99.5 FM in NYC, WPFW 89.3 FM in Washington, D.C., KPFT 90.1 FM in Houston, KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, and many other community radio stations like Western Mass Community Broadcasting, WMCBLP 107.9 FM. We are also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Check out our website at codepink.org slash radio, where you will find all our episodes from episode one to our most recent. Hi, everybody. I'm excited to be talking with you all this week. My name is Shay, and I'm the Divest from War organizer with Code Pink. To start, I'm going to give a brief overview of this month in divestment news. Late last month, a federal appeals court upheld an Arkansas law requiring all recipients of state contracts to sign an agreement that they will not participate in boycotting Israel. In response to the federal upholding of this law, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, CARES, National Litigation Director, Lena Masri said, by declaring Arkansas's anti-BDS law to be constitutional, the court has tacitly endorsed a Palestine exception to the First Amendment. We will continue to support the Arkansas Times and the ACLU in their efforts to change this unconstitutional law. Other states where similar anti-BDS laws are in place include Georgia, Virginia, Arkansas, Arizona, Maryland, New Jersey, and Texas. More and more groups, including unions, are demanding divestment of their institutions, including pension funds from fossil fuels. Very recently, the American Federation of Teachers, or AFT, which is the second largest teachers union in the nation, passed a resolution calling on pension fund managers to divest from fossil fuels and reinvest in workers and communities. AFT's 1.7 million workers participate in public and private pension plans, which total around $5.8 trillion. AFT estimates that $255 billion is invested in fossil fuels. So this is a huge win. Similar to the repression against the growing BDS movement, mounting energy around fossil fuel divestment has been met with resistance from corporate players. Late last week, West Virginia barred five major financial institutions, including BlackRock and J.P. Morgan Chase, from new state business as they were, quote unquote, boycotting the fossil fuel industry. This is just the latest move undertaken by Republicans with massive financial stake in the fossil fuel industry who have been ramping up pressure on Wall Street to prevent corporations from addressing climate change through targeted investment policies. This latest move is particularly confusing, confusing given that BlackRock and Chase are the two biggest funders of fossil fuel projects in the world. But it also underlines the fear surrounding economic activism and the power that divestment holds. 
In the vein of divestment, today's show will be focused on the movement to divest the city of Chicago from war. I myself am based in Chicago and get the chance to work with a dynamic group of activists and organizers who are committed to divesting our city's friends from war and violence and reinvesting in life-affirming resources. If you're based in Chicago and want to get involved, check us out at divestfromwarmachine.org slash divestchicago. If you aren't in Chicago but want to plug into similar work, just visit divestfromwarmachine.org and reach out. To start, we're going to hear from Greta Zara with World Beyond War and Charles Johnson of Chicago Area Peace Action. So hi, everybody, and thank you so much for joining. My name is Shay. Uh, I use they, them, or she, her pronouns. I live in Chicago, which is on the unceded homelands of the Council of Three Fires, which is the Ojibwe, Odala, and Potawatomi nations. Um, and I'm the Divest from the War Machine organizer with Code Pink. And one of the great things I get to do with that is be a member of the Divest Chicago from the War Machine Coalition, which is great. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, so in a minute, I am going to turn over to Greta and Charles to introduce themselves because we're kind of going to be emceeing this evening, I guess. Yeah, it's evening. Um, but just to give a quick rundown of this event, we are going to start with a quick overview of the prison, of the campaign, of the Divest Chicago campaign, what it is, what we've done, where we're at. And then we're going to hear from Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa, Newland Smith from the Illinois Poor People's Campaign, Juan Pablo Herrera from the Logan Square Ecumenical Alliance, Steffi De La Torre from Divest Mike and Melissa Bryce from 350 Chicago, all different coalition members who are engaged in really exciting local work that's very relevant. Um, and they bring just exciting work they're doing and just great analysis. So it's gonna be super energizing. Um, we were also going to feature Alderwoman Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez, but we just got info that she can't make it, which is super unfortunate, but she's great. And hopefully we can work with her for similar event in the future. Um, so everyone, yeah, this is just, this is gonna be great. Um, Charles and Greta, do you all wanna give a quick intro um, and then I'll have a quick grounding and then we can go into background of the campaign. Sure, yeah, welcome everyone. It's really nice to be with you tonight. My name is Greta Zaro. I'm the organizing director with World Beyond War. And I've been working with Shay and Charles and, and others on this campaign for several years now. So I'm excited to be with you all. I'm not based in Chicago. I'm in New York State, but I get to work on these divestment campaigns and provide support to activists across the country. So yeah, we'll get into it in a little bit. And hi, everyone. I'm Charles, um, organizing director with Chicago Area Peace Action, and really thrilled to be with you, all the individuals and orgs that are here tonight, and uh, all their uh, Ramirez Rosa, really grateful. So uh, look forward to tonight's discussion. Amazing, thank you all so much. And I'm just gonna start sharing screen for our little background presentation. Um, let me know if you can see a big graphic that says divest from war, awesome. Cool. So our speakers are going to get a little more into this this evening, but I just wanted to provide a quick grounding before we even get into what divestment is um, to why we are talking about divesting our communities from war and militarism and why that's relevant for those of us in Chicago in this moment. Um, and I think that'll also become clearer throughout the webinar, but just wanted to start by naming a few points that feel important that we talk about as a coalition. Um, 
and folks may know a lot of these, so could be a refresher. But to start, um, the United States military is the biggest institutional producer of carbon emissions globally, produces around 59 million metric tons of greenhouse gas emissions annually. And I think that number is now out of date. It's higher. Almost half of our discretionary budget goes to militarism, which leaves our communities with nothing. The proposed military budget for next year has already topped $850 billion, which is taxpayer money, our money that should be going to our communities um, and not to militarist violence. And then really importantly, the weapon companies that our campaign is focused on, which we'll get into really shortly, make massive profit from imperialist, extractive, and violent wars happening throughout the world in Yemen, Palestine, Nigeria, beyond. The Boeing Corporation just moved out of our city. Their headquarters were here for the past 20 years after they stole around $60 million of taxpayer funds. Um, and they went to be closer to the Pentagon, which is the U.S. Department of Defense or War Office. Um, and they did that so they could produce more weapons. Leftover military weapons that are produced for wars get sent back to police departments in the United States for free. And Greta is going to ground us in the war machine more holistically, but this is all to say that divesting from war has never been more relevant and is important for the city of Chicago specifically. So I'm really grateful to be talking to all of you about this and how we're moving from this, what this campaign looks like. Um, so Greta, I don't know if you want to start talking about divestment and what it is and how it works. Yeah, sure. We can go to the next slide. Thanks. So the National Divest from the War Machine Coalition kicked off in 2017. Um, and the coalition currently has over 70 member organizations across the country, which really span from, you know, global groups and national groups, think tanks, NGOs, small local groups, etc., um, And we work on these decentralized divestment campaigns across the country. Um, so we have these little sort of city-based coalitions, divest Chicago from the war machine, divest Philly from the war machine, divest Richmond from the war machine, et cetera. Um, so I wanted to kind of mention that context uh, that, you know, this campaign is one of many as part of this broader national and global movement. And when we're talking about divesting from the war machine, this graphic created by Code Pink really does a great job at illustrating the mechanisms and institutions that we're talking about, which is this self-perpetuating cycle where weapons manufacturers use their profits to fund politicians' campaigns, and then those politicians vote for war and increase the Pentagon budget, fueling the profits of those same weapons companies. And then underlying all of this is the fact that financial institutions and asset manager companies are investing heavily in weapons manufacturers and military contractors, boosting their profits and keeping the cycle going. Next slide. So for me, divestment is really exciting and it's one of the core campaigns that I work on and I get to, as I said earlier, kind of support activists in all these different divest, insert your city name uh, campaigns around the world. Um, and I find it really exciting for a few reasons that are listed here. Um, number one, it is very tangible. It is concrete. It allows us the agency to act on the local level, on the personal level, on the institutional level, on the city level, et cetera. No matter what's happening in Washington or what's happening globally, we have the agency to act. 
And it's also a powerful tactic because it enables intersection coalition, intersectional coalition building as we are doing tonight, bringing together different groups from a variety of different backgrounds, faith communities, environmental groups, anti-war groups, peace groups, student groups, et cetera, et cetera, kind of coming together around this shared issue and looking at, you know, the multifaceted social, environmental and economic impacts of the institution of war. Um, something else to flag is that divestment is not financially risky, and that is a major obstacle. Most people assume that it is financially risky, and there's actually a lot of data to back up the fact that investments in other industries can create more jobs and in many cases better paying jobs than investments in the military sector. And we've also seen that ESG investments, which are environmentally, socially responsible investments, are growing and in many cases are outperforming traditional equity funds. So there's a lot of excitement behind this. There's a lot of possibility um, and we can counter that common objection about the financial impact. Um, and lastly, you know, divestment is the ethical thing to do. Uh, you know, right now, especially with the war in Ukraine, uh, we are seeing uh, weapons company CEOs openly talk about uh, their profits soaring. Uh, you know, they are profiting off of this crisis. And so when we divest, we are directly saying, no, we, we do not feel comfortable profiting off of death and destruction. Um, so those are a few of the top reasons why we're doing this work. And I'll turn it over to my colleagues. And uh, we wanted to provide a bit of history on the Divest Chicago Coalition. So it was a couple years ago that some of us interested in divestment uh, were kind of a core team. And we had seen some 2015 data from Chicago. And uh, this was revealing Chicago's investments in weapons makers at that time. So we thought, okay, let's get the latest data on this. And um, we ended up trying to uncover info on the MEABF's $3.4 billion in investments here in Chicago. The MEABF, you see the logo there, is the Municipal Employees Annuity and Benefit Fund. Uh, we had attended together a public meeting of the Chicago City Treasurer. And uh, at that time, they were allowing people to ask questions. And our questions were not answered. And uh, both by email and in the chat, uh, we didn't get those questions addressed. So then we thought, okay, well, um, we can attend a public meeting of the MEABF because uh, they were holding public meetings. And this is how you dial into the meeting. When a couple of us were trying to dial into those meetings, uh, no answer. We were not allowed into those meetings. And so we were thought, okay, well, let's keep going here. Just all we wanted to do at that point was get some more recent data. Um, so next slide, please. Uh, so we thought, okay, well, let's do a Freedom of Information Act, a FOIA to the city treasurer, and that might be able to provide some of this info on the investments. Um, now, when we submitted the FOIA, the treasurer's office responded back to say, we don't have information on the investments. Um, and so we thought, okay, well, now we will try to go directly to the MEABF uh, manager, Steve Yoon, who we had 
uh, learned about during what, one of the city treasurer's calls. Um, in emailing, those outreaches were not answered, so we finally uh, determined to, as a coalition, let's do a call barrage, and we'll just call the office uh, multiple times a day and see what response we get. And that did give us a breakthrough to where we were directed to the MEABF's investment info, um, remembering this is a $3.4 billion fund and uh, through the tool that we were using to look at the investments ratings for weapons um, being tied to weapons companies. And we saw that there were some really, uh, really uh, bad ratings coming up with Fs and Ds on the score sheet. So at that point we knew, okay, we're definitely um, doing something valuable here by looking at how to, how to divest from this type of investment. And I will hand it back to Shay. Thank you so much, Charles. Yeah, and just for context, um, you may have already said this, but the Fs and Ds, um, the worse the grade, the higher the amount of weapon investments in those assets. Um, so this is a corny, but a really cute graphic to talk about the next step of the campaign. Um, so with the help of Alderman Ramirez Rosa, who is here and we'll hear from shortly, we introduced a resolution calling on the city council to assess city holdings, sell existing investments in weapons manufacturers, and adopt a socially responsible investment policy prohibiting future investments in weapons producing companies. We will hear a little bit more about, more about that soon, and we'll talk a little more about it soon. Um, but that was introduced last November. In the spring, it was moved to the Finance Committee. And since then, we have been working really hard to move that resolution to a hearing and have not been successful. We've been trying to get a meeting with the chair of the finance committee, Alder Scott Wagesback, who's a 32nd ward alderman, um, but have been unable to meet with him. We'll also hear from uh, the folks with Logan Square Ecumenical Alliance who have been working hard to get in contact with his office as well. We've been emailing and calling other finance committee members requesting they co-sponsor the resolution and haven't had success, which is, I think, one of the main pushes about why we wanted to hold a larger educational event tonight, which is that we not only want to talk about where our campaign is at and the value we think it has, but we also really need other people's help getting more alders to co-sponsor this resolution so that it's taken more seriously in the finance committee. Um, we need to just create a little more momentum to push it forward. And I think we're especially interested in doing that before election season gets into full swing with city council. So uh, the last five, 10 minutes of the call tonight factored into the hour. You don't have to stay over time, but we are going to produce uh, or share out some tools that you can use to get in contact with your alder person asking them to co-sponsor. And we'll talk about other ways you can support, but um, it'll be really good. We're really excited about that. Um, so I'm gonna stop sharing my screen and I'm going to turn it over to our original co-sponsor and progressive alder powerhouse, Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa, who represents the 35th ward. Welcome, thanks for being here. Hey, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for the kind introduction. Uh, as noted, my name is Carlos Ramirez Rosa. I'm the Alderman of Chicago's 35th Ward. So I represent portions of the northwest side of the city of Chicago, including Hermosa, Logan Square, Avondale, Irving Park, and Albany Park. Communities that I represent are home to so many refugees and immigrants who have fled conflicts abroad. 
Central American immigrants who have seen lives destroyed, who have seen their nations suffer as a result of so many of the weapons that are manufactured here in the United States of America and that are heavily funded, not just by our federal government, but as we now know, by our local governments as well and their investments. We want to make sure that we are turning weapons into plowshares. We want to make sure that we as a city are doing everything that we can to protect human life across the globe. It is such a travesty to see the tools of destruction that are being funded, not just by our federal government, but by our local government, to see the conflicts that are being fueled. And worst of all, to see how people right here in this country are profiting, profiting off of the destruction of life. This war machine, uh, these war profiteers are not just taking people's lives, they're destroying the planet as this has a wide ranging impact across the globe. So I was so happy to see a group of activists and organizers of conscientious Chicagoans come together and say, we want to join with our sisters and brothers and siblings across the United States and raise our voices to say that we don't want our local tax dollars, we don't want our local public dollars to be invested in the war machine. We know that some of these war profiteers, the only thing that they care about is money. And so we want to hit them where it hurts. And we want our city to lead with our values and to be conscientious about where our dollars are being invested. So I think that the introduction of this resolution is an important first step to move this conversation forward. Obviously, we know that we have a lot more work to do, as was noted. We need to increase the number of co-sponsors that we have. We need to make sure that we are also putting forward uh, a measure that will have real teeth in it. Uh, I look forward to being part of that work. Uh, I'm so excited to be part of this coalition uh, and just to see so many people that care deeply about this issue. Um, I know that people in my community who have suffered at the hands of war profiteers uh, and, and even the gun violence, right, that is occurring in our own city, right, that again, gun manufacturers and war profiteers are profiting off of. I, I think that this is truly a statement of our values and it's truly something important uh, that we're engaging in uh, to, to say uh, that U.S. imperialism uh, and, and profiting off of, you know, the destruction of life across the globe uh, must stop and that the city of Chicago uh, and that the people of the city of Chicago won't want no part in it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Alderman. That was really powerful and grounding. I really am so appreciative of you being here and your leadership on this. Um, just going to kick it right over to Newland Smith of the Illinois Poor People's Campaign, if you're ready, Newland, just to uh, continue the momentum. Thank you so much. I, right. Uh, I'm Newland Smith been part of the uh, Poor People's Campaign uh, since it was launched in um, October in Chicago and uh, about four years ago. The Poor People's Campaign is a reigniting of Martin Luther King Jr.'s Poor People's Campaign, which began a month after he was assassinated in Memphis 54 years ago. King called out the triplets of systemic racism, poverty, and militarism. Then William Barber Jr. and Liz Theo Harris, co-chairs of today's Poor People's Campaign, have added ecological devastation as the fourth interlocking injustice. Illinois is one of 43 states deeply involved in this movement. 
The Illinois Poor People's Campaign is honored to be one of the sponsors of Divest Chicago. The Poor People's Campaign is calling for a third reconstruction. Representative Barbara Lee introduced the resolution HR 438 on May 25th, 2021, about a year ago. Third reconstruction fully addressing poverty and low wages from the bottom up. The war economies addressed in a number of whereas's and remarks, and I'll just cite a few of them. Whereas experts have identified up to $350 billion in defense spending cuts that would both save resources and keep the country safe and secure. Whereas the U.S. wars since 2001 have killed more than 800,000 people and displaced 37 million more. Whereas these interlocking injustices are precipitating the deconstruction of our democracy and imposing unbearable costs to our economy, including $6.4 trillion has been lost in endless wars over the past two decades. Resolved, it is the sense of this Congress, and here are two or three um, clauses. Demilitarize U.S. foreign policy, borders, and policing by cutting the military budget by at least 10% and providing for a just transition for workers in militarized industries. Recognizing the three pillars of foreign policy, diplomacy, development, and defense, and pursuing diplomacy over war. The Poor People's Campaign is organizing, quote, to save the heart and soul of our democracy. On April the 4th, 1967, Martin Luther King Jr. in a speech entitled To Redeem the Soul of America that he declared at Riverside Church in New York City said, the Vietnam War has become the enemy of the poor. His government, King said, has become the greatest purveyor of violence in the world today. Tragically, these words of King are as true today as when he uttered them 55 years ago. Yes, Chicago City Council, divest from war. The city must invest, must stop investing its pensions in the war manufacturing. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Thank you so much, Newland. It's really um, an honor for Illinois Poor People's Campaign to be part of this coalition, um, the leadership and the thread that you all take from the last Poor People's Campaign, especially um, how you all center militarism um, and economic justice across the board is really inspiring. Right. And it's great to be working on that locally. Um, amazing. So next I want to welcome Juan Pablo Herrera of the Logan Square Ecumenical Alliance. Um, I mentioned it a bit earlier, but that organization has been really actively working to canvas, collect signatures and set up meetings with their city council representatives on the divestment resolution and has also done other really powerful forms of campaign work and local organizing. So we're really grateful to have you here with us today. Thank you. Um, again, my name is Juan Pablo Herrera. Um, one of the pastors at Urban Village Church. Uh, we have four sites in throughout Chicago, and I will be pastoring uh, uh, LGBTQ inclusive progressive church in Hermosa uh, starting next year. 
And so I'm really excited about that. And we also are part of the Logan Square Ecumenical Alliance. Uh, we're a group of progressive churches in, in Logan Square. And we're working together to, and we work together to kind of identify different types of injustices that are impacting um, our neighborhood, our community. And uh, we act, advocate together for just solutions. So we kind of meet the pastors and uh, members of the congregations together and uh, come up with ways uh, to work on these solutions. And so in the past, we've advocated for uh, affordable housing, living wages, mental health funding, uh, fair taxation, immigration, uh, refugee justice. And uh, this year, we focused uh, all of our efforts pretty much to diversity funds from the war machine. And one of the things we did is on Palm Sunday, we gathered at the Logan Square Monument uh, to support the resolution, our 20. 21, and we collected signatures, uh, petitioning uh, the city finance committee to, to bring this resolution to a public uh, hearing. Um, and we're, we're uh, about to give those signatures over uh, to the alderman. And uh, so we continued to make this one of our main issues for, for our community, knowing that it's really important for us. That was Juan Pablo Herrera with Chicago's Logan Square Ecumenical Alliance. Thank you so much, Juan Pablo. You're listening to Code Pink Radio, coming to you through Pacifica Radio's WPFW in Washington, D.C., WBAI in New York City, and KPFT in Houston. We will be back after this break with many more guests who are involved with the Divest Chicago from the War Machine Coalition. That was I Love My Friends by Kiefer. I chose that song because it's beautiful and I do love my friends and have a lot of love for everyone working towards justice and demilitarization, whether it's through divestment, economic activism, or other means. Let's get back into it. I am Shay. I'm the Divest from the War Machine organizer at Code Pink, and you are listening to Code Pink Radio presented by WBAI in New York City, WPFW in Washington, D.C., and KPFT in Houston. We're now going to hear from Steffi De La Torre, who is a core organizer with the Divest Mike campaign here in Chicago and is a Code Pink intern. Welcome. Hello. It's great to be here with you all. 
I'll just dive right into how a bunch of us, like Lakeview neighbors, and a lot of which are DePaul students or ex-DePaul students, we've been organizing as much as the city pension funds are, are have their investments into the war machine, individual congressmen also have their toes dipped into the war machine. And so um, going off of like momentum from, I think the year, last year, 2021, where um, a bunch of um, Dan caught with Code Pink and all of her like close friends got together to get Mike Quigley, our congressman to sign on to Medicare for All. This year's rendition has been to get Mike Quigley to divest his campaign funds that are from Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, a few of those big top five weapons manufacturers. Um, and so we started around like November to February, a lot of calling parties, um, a few sessions of just flyering out in Lakeview. Um, we had a few social media storms. Um, and by March, we did host a big protest as like kind of like a structured test to see how many, how much people we could get to come out and support us. And that went really well. After March, we kind of had some, it, some like small groups of firing throughout the community, try to get some more momentum. But by May, we all kind of gathered and decided like, although we, the office has very much been <laughs> bombarded by that point at May, um, we still haven't, hadn't heard much from the campaign office. And so we launched into having daily actions throughout May, May to June, where we came out every morning at 9 a.m. for an hour, just a few of us at a time. And we have our own like little schedules, so like coming out for whatever days of the week we could. And basically just outside of the office, I'll share some of those photos. Those are some of our daily action photos where we <laughs> bother the office by especially that sign that says honk for healthcare, not warfare. And this is one of our last daily actions in like late June. It had been like a full month of going out there every morning. And from doing that, we have the sign given over to some of Quigley's campaign staff. They kind of were like, we will, we're working on this, we'll be in touch. And then we'd call <laughs> a lot throughout. I started my internship like a, around like late June, once to DePaul or middle of June, once my my school year ended. And so like every day throughout June, July, or every other day, just calling the campaign office multiple times and getting a lot of pushback. By July or by like late June, we decided that we would need to escalate and geared up for a, an all-day sit-in. This was due to be at, on July 15th, but then we came out on that day and saw that both the campaign office and, and like the main like 44th Ward office were closed down. <laughs> we came out, we had so many, we did a lot of outreach to get a lot of people there. Um, and so that happened. We had to cancel on everyone that 
we had planned out for the day. But then a lot of us were able to turn it around in just a few days and come back out on Monday where, oh, it's not going. There we go. Where we did co go out since eight in the morning to 4 p.m. A few of us were there the whole day and lots of people showed up. Shay was there for some time. Um, we had a lot of support, even though it was a last minute switch up after the office had closed. And since then, we uh, all throughout we've been calling the office, campaigning throughout the, just right before we had the sit-in, Mike Quigley had voted no on a, on a recent Pentagon budget increase. And even before that, like around June, we, our initial protest was also to push him to sign to co-sponsor the new War Powers Resolution. And by like early June, he had also done that. So we had those wins along the way to propel us. Lots of our, I think I've noticed is our daily actions really propelled our campaign for this. And we got a lot of community members out there when we were outside the office, just coming out to talk to us and like showed lots of interest in what we were doing. A lot of us uh, thanked us for the work we were doing and um, took some of our handouts, our literature, <laughs> we got, we made a game out of it throughout the, the all day sitting and who could get the most honks in a row too. But lots of those two were, and we've become known for like our hot dog suits that we just do for, <laughs> for some fun and to stand out. So that's about it. We're still trying to push for Quigley to finally sign the pledge. Um, recently, we, and our contact with the campaign office has been that it's on the radar. It's been passed on to the finance, Quigley's finance people. But if we're trying to gear up for something to potentially have to escalate again, but based on the communications, they're really like, at this point, his staff is really wanting to get this <laughs> done with because they're very tired. They, at one point, one of Quigley's main staff person, the two, both Danica and myself, that this will be a win-win for both of us and you guys can finally stop focusing on Quigley. So, <laughs> and she promised to get back to us versus her, the staff person previously being like, I'll do my best, I'll get it done, kind of like giving us, dragging us along the way, but we're hopeful that we'll have a win by the next month. And if not, we'll, we might be out there again. That's about it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Steffi. It's so exciting to hear about how divestment or other forms of like campaign pressure can look. Just like people were saying in the chat earlier, budgets are moral documents. So whether it's like the city council operating budget, pension fund, investment budgets, or it is um, uh, Mike Quigley's budget, his campaign budget, it, it indicates like the values and um, what your interests are and what your commitments are. So I have so much respect for the Divest Mike campaign uh, for showing up literally every day to make it happen. It's so exciting to see. And I think there's going to be moves soon. It feels like the energy is really there and the office hates having you all outside. Um, 
So in another vein of exciting divestment related work, I am going to kick it over to Melissa Bryce of 350 Chicago, who's going to talk a lot more about this, but 350 just reached a massive milestone. They passed an ordinance to divest Chicago from fossil fuels. And I'm really excited to hear more about that. Welcome, Melissa. Hey, thank you all so much. Yes, my name is Melissa Bryce and I am, um, I live in the Bronzeville area and helped to launch the 350 Chicago chapter in May of 2013 after I went out to a 350 rally in um, Washington, D.C. in February of that year to fight the Keystone Pipeline. And I said, I have to keep up this momentum. So helped to launch the chapter. And since then, we've been focusing on divesting the city of Chicago from fossil fuels. And they have a um, just short presentation I wanted to share and talk a few minutes about our campaign um, let's see. One second. Um, yeah, so um, we were all very green to the 350 um, campaign and 350 in general because we had just launched it, but we were um, new to organizing, new to city politics, new to divestment. So we literally spent one year. So like all of like half of 2013 and all of 2014, um, just really researching. Um, so I'll talk a little bit more how I researched. I'll go into our public support and actions, meetings we held with different officials and how we finally got our ordinance passed. Um, so as I mentioned, we spent like a year, year and a half just doing research. So 350 National, um, so those of you who aren't aware, 350 is a global grassroots movement to solve the climate crisis. And each local group um, forms organically. So there's a nonprofit, which is 350.org, the national campaign. And then um, they provide a lot of resources to local groups. And so they were able to give us a lot of talking points. Um, they have great resources online. They also set us up with our Action Network account and our website. So they give us a lot of support and resources and advice. And Bill McKibben in 2011, Bill McKibben is the founder of 350.org and he wrote the first book on climate change for a general audience. But he toured the U.S. in 2011, giving a do the math tour. And that tour was really the launch of the divestment campaign. So the, the emphasis here was that we can only burn 565 more gigatons of carbon to stay below two degrees of global warming. And um, fossil fuel companies have much more than that. I think it was five times more than that in their reserves that they plan to burn. If they burn it all, we will reach six degrees of global warming. So just putting that into numbers really shows people that we cannot burn all the reserves we have. We have to keep 80% of the known fossil fuel reserves below the ground. Um, and they gave us a lot of support in grassroots organizing as well. So fueled with all of that, um, then we met with financial experts um, because similar to um, what Greta was saying in the beginning, you know, for the divest war campaign, you have the moral or ethical argument, you have the financial argument, and you have the political argument. So we wanted to focus on all of those, but we felt like the finance committee and city council would ask us a lot of questions and the treasurer around finance. So we spent a lot of time with different financial firms like Appleseed Capital, Natural Investments, and the IEFA, which um, was really instrumental in getting New York State and New York City to divest. 
So we made those connections as well and really fueled up on our, our arguments from when we met with people. We created, um, you can see this infographic on the right um, to leave with um, different older people. Um, we had a four page document on all of the information. Um, we had websites we could lead them to. So we really beefed up all of our resources. And then we studied more on Chicago politics. So what is the resolution or ordinance process? Um, how do we get something passed through city council? We power mapped the different alders to understand who would be on our side and really tried to understand the workings of city council. You know, often we hear of like a weak council, strong mayor or something like that. So do we really need the mayor's support or could we pass something without her? So we spent all of our time getting that underway. Um, and then we really um, started to beef up our public support. So we planned actions. We attended rallies and brought our divestment from fossil fuel banner just so people knew who we were. We tabled at all different events from green, the Green Fest in Wicker Park to the farmer's market um, to beer fest. You know, we just wanted to be out there. So um, we got a tablecloth and lots of resources and buttons and were able to engage with the public that way. And an action we had that the public could take was we made postcards that we were going to send to all the alders for people to sign and also say why divestment is important to them. We also spend a lot of time talking with people and engaging them like, what is divestment? You know, now that it's more in the news, maybe people understand, but a lot of people walk up to us and say like, what is that? <laughs> so really educating people on what we were asking for. Um, we held monthly meetings um, where people could come to get to know 350 and learn more about our campaign. And then um, we did lots of actions outside City Hall from banner drops um, to on the right, you can see this um, Instagram photo thing we made. So people could write on the bottom why climate, climate action is important to them. And we took the pictures and posted them online with different hashtags and tweeted at different alders. Um, so just really through actions, engagement and education, growing our public support. And we did end up mailing all of the postcards to the aldermen. I think we had um, like 500 postcards that we collected over the summer and were able to send those out. Um, here's a timeline of our, our campaign. Um, so we worked for seven years. So definitely don't get up, give up. I heard you all say that your um, uh, resolution is held up in the finance committee. The same exact thing happened to us. <laughs> um, <clears throat> So, you know, in 2015, when we started, we were pretty strategic about who who would support us first. So actually, Scott Wagusek was the first person we talked to, and he was supported from the beginning and actually um, had his staff help us write the resolution. Uh, and then he got the Progressive Caucus on board, and actually John Arena became our chief sponsor and really advocated for us. Um, then we also met with leaders of different caucuses from the um, LGBTQ caucus, Latino caucus, health and environment committee, the black caucus, and spoke to the leaders there um, so that they could disseminate information to their caucuses and committees. And we were able through John Arena's help to get our ordinance, or sorry, our resolution um, introduced into city council where like 40 out of 50 aldermen co-sponsored it at the time. Um, so this was a resolution to divest the city's operational budget and pension funds from fossil fuels. Um, but we also learned that, you know, we could only do that through resolution because this city, the city doesn't govern the pension funds that would have to, we would have to change state law to get that done. 
Um, so that was why we had a resolution. Um, it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> um, we never heard from it again, even though we tried to get a hearing on it. Um, and then as a last, uh, then after that, we started really meeting heavily with Kurt's, Treasurer Kurt Summers' office, who was working a lot on ESG. He said he was supportive of divestment, but he really wanted to know, like, once we divest from fossil fuels, how can we reinvest in climate action and green technology? Um, and we didn't have a lot of that information at the time. There's a lot more now than there was, you know, five years ago. Um but anyway, he followed up. Um, we reintroduced a resolution in 2018. And then the next month, Treasurer Summers followed up with an ordinance and tried to get that passed like right before Mayor Emanuel went out of office, but um, it didn't go anywhere. So then we had to reboot efforts under a new administration. And thankfully, a lot of Democratic Socialists of America were um, brought into city council. And so Maria Haddon now became our chief sponsor. And she said, let's just go straight for the ordinance and we'll just do city operational budget. And we were like, we love that idea. So she got a lot of DSA on board. She had a her chief of staff, Leslie Perkins, really help us. Um, and then in 2020 with COVID, we did a lot of virtual meetings uh, to keep the momentum going. And then um, finally, Alderwoman Pat Dowell gave us an introduction to the treasurer's office because we could not get in with the treasurer. Um, we had really good contact with Kurt Summers and then could not get in to see Melissa Conyers Urban. Finally, that connection through Pat Dowell got us in and um, we were able to engage and they were on board with divestment um, from the first meeting. And it was just more of a like logistically, how do we carry it out? Um, so then um, the treasurer actually was the one who introduced our ordinance in 2022. And um, it was pretty swift passage after that. Um, so I guess, you know, Kurt Summers laid really good groundwork with his ESG work. And then Melissa Conyers Urban kept that on. We weren't sure if she would, but she did keep it on. And then her really supportive staff in Hector Docks and Mauricio. Um, so if you all haven't met with them, I highly recommend that um, meeting with them because they were, you know, very passionate and progressive and helped us with divestment. And so in March of 2022, this city passed the ordinance to make it a law that we can no longer invest the city's operational budget in fossil fuels. And we are carrying on this campaign because we do want to get the pension funds divested as well. So now we have a state campaign um, and we have a draft bill. And I'm hoping that we'll have a chief sponsor for that soon because we want to introduce the bill into the Illinois uh, House and Senate in 2023. But that would be divesting all the state and city pension funds. Um, so that's a very brief, you know, abbreviated version of our seven-year campaign. But it sounds like you all at Code Pink are doing a lot of very similar tactics from petitions and calling and Twitter storms. Like we did all of that too. Um, actions uh, outside legislators' offices, um, meetings with aldermen. So yeah, it sounds like you all have a very strong campaign and I, I feel like you're on a path to victory. So yeah, let me know if you have any questions. Thanks. Thank you so much, Melissa. I really appreciate you sharing all that back and I'm just so grateful for the tireless work you all put in. Eight years is no joke and you laid a really serious groundwork, I think, for this sort of divestment in the city of Chicago. And I'm just excited to see how it goes statewide. Um, Maybe if folks have specific questions about that, they can put them in the chat. Um, but seeing as we're a bit ahead of schedule and we've got some momentum going, I think I'm just gonna take us to the action. 
section of the night, just so we can get started on building a little more to move this campaign forward. Um, I think every speaker tonight outlined in their own way why divestment is critical, why budgets are moral documents, why moral war is immoral. Um, and Chicago has such a rich history of powerful social justice movements. I just remembered uh, that maybe we should add on to the divest conversation that there was a recent city council divestment um, a back from the brink resolution, which is to uh, divest from nuclear weapons. And so that was a second divestment <clears throat> in addition to the awesome 350-led um, fossil fuel divestment that the city council did in 2022 to divest from nuclear weapons. So there's definitely um, doability to divestment and uh, there's been some victories. And so, yeah, it's like momentum that builds and, and everyone here, um, whatever avenues of divestment that we're doing, it's all kind of ties together to do something more ethical and more of an investment in people here locally and, and everywhere. So uh, it's cool to see those victories and that these things do lead to uh, actual uh, progress being made. That was Charles Johnson with Chicago Area Peace Action. And this has been an energizing show on divestment. And what's possible when we work together to drive home the fact that budgets are moral documents from the city to the federal level, and we organize collectively to move money from violence to life. Thank you all so much for tuning in. My name is Shay, and I'm the Divest from the War Machine organizer with Code Pink. Thank you for listening to Code Pink Radio, presented by WBAI in New York City, WPFW in Washington, D.C., and KPFT in Houston. Bush and Bin Laden, you think they're foes? They're in business together. Danny Bush knows the Carlisle Group since years before. Been raking in billions and itching for more. It's blood for oil. We know there's a link. They say Code War. We say Code Pink. It's blood for oil. We know there's a link. They say Code War. We say Code Pink. Code Pink for freedom. Code Pink for peace. Code Pink to hunger. was not Iraq, but Iran. They, they feed you lies, don't want you to think. They say code terror, we say code pink. They feed you lies, don't want you to think. They say code terror, we say code pink. Code pink, freedom, code pink, for peace, code pink, to hunger. Tell our speech, our 